Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. As I was reflecting on what to preach tonight, I was reminded that a week from this coming Thursday is Thanksgiving. And I'm sure for many of us, we have plans for that amazing week. Uh, For some of us, we have multiple Thanksgiving dinners we get to look forward to. I know Maddie and I will be eating quite a bit of turkey here in the next few weeks. Uh, Maybe for some of us, it's eating all that turkey and then taking a nap after watching a little football. All these things are great with the the season of Thanksgiving, but as I got to thinking, so often Thanksgiving comes and goes And we don't actually sit and think about what we're truly thankful for. This thankfulness. And I'm so thankful for myself. I think of things I'm thankful for this year. I'm thankful to live in a country where I'm freely able to preach the gospel. I'm thankful that I have a church family who feels like flesh and blood to me. I'm thankful for all the little blessings that God has brought out over my life truly am blessed, and I'm thankful this year, as with any year. As we know all too often, being thankful sometimes takes some intentionality. When we think about being thankful for things, sometimes it's hard to be thankful when things aren't really going very well in your life. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Which, by the way, real quick. Miss Bevy, could you please turn my mic down a little bit? We're feeding back a little bit. I think it's a little too loud. But as I think about Thanksgiving, I think about thankfulness, I think about us as Christians, we're supposed to have the stereotype around us to always be happy, always be thankful, always have these things. But yet sometimes we find it so hard due to our circumstances, don't we? This feeling of thankfulness isn't always natural to us. But I love this passage that we're going to read today in 1 Thessalonians, written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. It gives some words of encouragement for what we ought to do as Christians to bring our minds and our hearts back to a heart of thankfulness. I want to start in verse 12 in chapter 5, but we're going to focus on verses 16 through 18 tonight, but just to give some context here. In verse 12, he says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone for evil, for evil, but always seek to do good to only to one another and to everyone. Now here's the focus of tonight. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, as you can see in this text, I'm very thankful for the Apostle Paul because he makes my job pretty easy when it comes up to uh, making a three-point sermon, because there they are. There's our three points. (laughs) When we think about how to become more thankful, how to direct our hearts back 
to a place of thankfulness and rejoicing in our God, because sometimes it's not there. Sometimes our hearts are naturally inclined to so many things. Our circumstances around us really bog us down. But Paul says these three things, these three commands, if you will, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I would assume that many of you are probably familiar with these passages, and if so, I pray that tonight could just be a review for you. However, as I've just continued journeying through my Christian walk, I found that these three commands, commands from Paul can be extraordinary reminders whenever I'm failing to be reminded of the goodness of God. All too often, we get so caught up in the things happening around us, we neglect our core calling as Christians and calling as a church body. These commandments that Paul gives us are an amazing mile marker, a ruler, if you will, that we as believers can come back and line ourselves up with. Are we doing these three things well? And so I want to walk through these three things tonight, and hopefully they can be an encouragement for you as you are going through a season where thankfulness just isn't natural for you. We see the first one that Paul says is to rejoice always. Now, I understand when we read this first commandment from command, I don't want to keep calling it commandment, a command from the Apostle Paul, this charge for us to rejoice always. I'm sure many of us kind of roll our eyes and think and rejoice always. Okay, right, Paul. Don't you know what my life consists of? Come on. Of course, when we think about rejoicing always, our first instinct is to naturally think that Paul is commanding us to be happy all the time, which isn't the same thing as joy. Happiness and joy are two different things. And let me explain that. See, when I think of happiness, and maybe some of you might disagree with this, I don't know, but this is where I stand with it. Happiness is an emotion. Happiness is what we feel when we're exciting things around us happening, excitable, enjoyable things. But yet it's fleeting. It varies, right? Sometimes we're really happy and sometimes we're not. Most of the time, I feel like happiness just kind of comes and goes. A good example of this is whenever I watch Kansas City Chiefs. Oftentimes, they bring me a lot of happiness because they play well and they win. It's a great thing. But when Patrick Mahomes throws an interception and my team loses, then my happiness is usually fleeting. Why? Because happiness is a feeling. Now, understand joy, on the other hand, this term rejoice, this joy that we have, goes so much deeper than a momentary emotion. Joy is something that drives so much deeper than that. It's at the core of our humanity as people. It may come and go in intensity, however, it's something that always is present in some regard. Let me give you another example of this. For myself, when I got married to my wife Maddie, who I wish was here because I'd make her red in the face, I felt so much joy when I was standing at that altar and I looked up and my bride's coming down the aisle. That joy has not left me. Though, let me tell you, a year and a half of marriage, I can say that it's not perfect. <laughs> As I'm sure many of you who have been married for any period of time can say, it's not perfect. But that joy has never left me. That moment has never left. Or for maybe some of the parents or grandparents in here, that joy when you held that child for the first time, it's amazing. 
Again, joy is much more than a warm and fuzzy feeling we get. It's a deeply rooted emotion. The reality is, to make this practical for our faith, is for us believers, joy, to rejoice, this joy that we have in Christ is unshakable. It cannot be taken from us. You know, as I was reading this morning in Romans 8, nothing in heaven or on earth can shake or move us from that joy, that love that Christ has for us. It's an amazing thing. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's a joy that only comes from Christ, my guys, my friends. I think there's a reason why the Apostle Paul writes so much about having joy so often in his letters. So often we see the Apostle Paul all throughout his writings say, rejoice always. Right? Think about Philippians, probably the best passage, the most parallel passage I saw in my study for this. In Philippians 4.4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, if you didn't know this about Paul writing the letter of Philippians, you know where he was? He was in jail. That joy that he was talking about, how could a man like Paul be so joyous in such a dim situation? You know, he was, could have easily been put to death at any time. But yet he says to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And here's the key point with all this that I'm trying to make. His joy was found not in his circumstances, but in Christ alone. What a testimony that is that even the things around the apostle, the apostle Paul looked bleak and dim. His joy never left him because his joy was eternal. See, a lot of the things that we find joy in in this lifetime, they are earthly things which aren't bad. But to think that the things of Christ, the things of God are eternal, that should give us joy because it can't be taken from us. I love what Apostle Paul also says in Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Or you can kind of see a parallel to the passage in 1 Thessalonians. Church, we're reminded in these passages that no matter what we experience in this lifetime, we can truly experience and rejoice and lift up our praise to God because He's faithful. He's true in these promises. He's true in His promises for us. We know that this world is fleeting, our bodies are crumbling away, yet we have this eternal hope of being with Christ Jesus forever, which at its core should keep us looking towards the future and make us so joyful when seasons of doubt creep in. You know, when I've gotten, as I've gotten older, the more that I've been following Jesus, these things start to make more sense to me. Uh, they don't make perfect sense, of course, but... Um, I think about whenever I was experiencing life as a teenage boy, all the things that I experienced that just, oh, they were so challenging 
They're so difficult. Oh, it was so horrible. And then now I sit here as an adult and think, that really wasn't that bad. <laughs> but I'm sure as I'm going to continue to grow, the things that I struggle with now are going to be things that later on I'm going to think, well, that wasn't, that wasn't that bad. See, today's struggles are lessons for tomorrow's rejoicing. We think about this life that we have, and I, I'm probably hitting the point a little too hard here, but I don't think I can hit it enough that you're going to face trials, but rejoice for Christ has overcome the world. And that joy that you have, it's, it's never going to leave you. You see, the second thing that Paul charges to the church in Thessalonica, number one, to give, rejoice always. But the second one is to pray without ceasing. Now, if you're anything like me, you probably sit there and wonder to yourself, how on earth do I do that? Praying without ceasing. Do I walk around with my eyes closed, always murmuring prayers, bumping into people in the supermarket? Uh, probably not. <laughs> That's not what Paul is talking about here. What Paul is alluding here is that prayer should be something that is common practice amongst us as believers. We must have a mindset and a heart that longs to run to the Father for every single thing, every need that we have. And not only our needs, but in our thankfulness. All these things, we should be coming to God our Father. Our connection with God should be so intimate. Right? Because prayer is our connection with God. It's how we communicate with our God. It's an amazing thing. And I should mention this as well, and I'm sure many of you probably know this. Your prayer, how to pray, doesn't always look like sitting down with your head bowed, eyes closed, right? It could be walking around. I don't know about you guys, but I probably sound like a crazy person walking around when I'm by myself because I'm praying to my God. I probably look like I'm talking to myself and I'm crazy, but there's so many different ways to pray. It, it doesn't just have to be in that way, though those things are good. So often I find myself in the car, going on a walk, or even this, writing prayers in a journal. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's an amazing way to be praying consistently. Something to look forward to every day. The point of this passage is so simple, yet it's so often neglected in the way that it's practiced by Christians. So often we hold things in, we let it bubble up and fester. Whenever things aren't going well, we wait to bring things to our God. We, we're like, well, let me try to figure it out first, and then I'll bring it before the Lord. Which is not the way prayer should work. We become so incredibly overwhelmed, and eventually things explode, and then finally we take it to God. Man, I love what the words of the classic hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, say. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I love this part. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know, so often we wonder, man, I just feel so broken. Ah, oh, these things that I'm struggling with, I just can't seem to get past it. Have I, let me ask you, have you taken it to the Lord in prayer? This is what it means to pray consistently. This is what it means to have that direct line with our God because he provides that for us. He can lift these things up to him at any time. 
I've said this before, but it's amazing. When you call God, he doesn't put you on voicemail. It's a beautiful thing. And to think that Christ is our friend in this way. You could talk to him like a friend. That's what I love the most about this. He's holy, and we need to still have a reverence, but you could just talk to him. What an amazing God that is. You know, this past week and this just a couple days ago uh, on Friday, I got to go see my friend Luke in Columbia, and uh, we were staying up pretty late Friday night just sharing stories. And at one point, we got to the point where we were just sharing some burdens that we had on our heart. And, uh, you know, it was an amazing thing, just having that close of a friend that I could share these things with. It's, it's a beautiful thing to have. I'm sure many of you can probably think of people in your life. Maybe it's a spouse. My, no, my spouse, Maddie, we love sharing these things together. And it makes us feel better, doesn't it? We can get it off our chest and just say, oh, man, I just, I'm struggling. Or, man, I just, what do you think about this? The beautiful thing about our God is we do the exact same thing to him talking to a friend, what peace we often forfeit, and oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we don't take it to our God in prayer. He wants to hear his children speak to him. Another thing I think about when it comes to prayer is how often do we speak so much? We, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I blabber a little too long for God, which he, he doesn't mind, I know. But do you ever let God speak? Do you ever let him have a moment in your prayer? And you're probably saying, well, Trent, he doesn't speak to us in an audible voice. Yes, I know that. But you know what is an amazing thing is when we seek out the scriptures, that's the living, breathing word of God speaking to you. You don't have to wonder what God's going to say to your problems. He's got it all right here. Everything we can bring to our God in prayer, he can answer through his word beautiful thing. It's just like what Hebrews says, it's a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's the word of God. That is him speaking to us. But how often do we open our Bibles to seek out the things of God? Yes, we want to bring all of our requests to God, and that's a beautiful thing, and yes, keep doing that, but how often do we seek the scriptures to let him speak to us? It's an amazing thing. Prayer, as I have already hit on, should work like a reflex. I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things, uh, whenever I used to go to the doctor, was they pull out that little hammer thing, and you sit down, you cross your leg, and they hit you, and you kick the doctor, you know. <laughs> it's a pretty funny thing. But I got to thinking, that should be how prayer should be. That should just be a reflex. Anytime you have something happen to you, you should instantly go to your God. Don't wait. Don't wait. So we see Paul command the believers and us today to rejoice always, no matter what our circumstances are. To pray continually, that means to go to God in all things and instantly. But finally tonight, I want you to see probably the best one of all, to give thanks in all circumstances. To give thanks in all circumstances really does have kind of the same general application that rejoice always does. And that we don't always have a heart of thankfulness, especially when things around us aren't going well. 
Just like to rejoice always doesn't make a lot of sense, sometimes to give thanks in all circumstances doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Because all circumstances, that would include all the bad stuff, right? And we don't always want to give thanks when God allows things to happen in our lives. It's hard to give thanks for that. But again, just like these earlier things, Paul shares these same encouragements in his other letters, like the one in Ephesians chapter 5 saying to these believers to not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but to be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks, when? Always. And for everything. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, there's that always tagged to the give thanks. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul also says this, Whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm sure you've caught on by now, but we need to give God all the glory and all the thanks for what he has done in our lives. This idea of giving thanks to God in all the circumstances is a charge for us to remind ourselves where our blessings really do come from. Though, yes, we do things in our lives and we accumulate things, maybe that's wealth or family or whatever, you can fill in the blank. It all belongs to God first. Just like I read in Job a few weeks ago, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. It all belongs to him first. Moreover, just like the charge to rejoice always, to give thanks in all circumstances, to be thankful, even when you don't necessarily feel much gratitude in your heart towards things or people around you. You know, to make it applicational here, maybe you're struggling with a coworker, Or maybe you're having a hard time with a family member. You're struggling with certain things. You have bitterness and malice building up in your heart obviously shouldn't be named among us as believers. But to give thanks for these people and these things, these situations you get placed in, it's a difficult, difficult thing to want to say, thank you, God, for this trial. Thank you, God, for this person, even though they are a thorn in my side, I thank you for them. That's such a radical thing to do, is it not? But yet, to give thanks in all circumstances is exactly what that means. I know for myself, in my years of being a Christian, I've had to learn to flip certain situations, unharden my heart, if you will, towards certain people and provide grace towards them, even when I really didn't feel like giving it. To treat people like they were made in God's image and to treat people like Christ died for them really does change your perspective on things. And to give thanks that they exist and that you have an opportunity to be a lighthouse despite maybe the darkness that they provide. It's a remarkable thing. Just to reflect the heart of Christ, the heart of grace, what he showed you first is so amazing to reflect that heart in the world. To give thanks in every circumstance is to bring praise to the one 
who is the provider and sustainer of our every need, the one who started a good work in us and will bring it forth to completion. To give thanks in all circumstances, as difficult as it may be, it's a beautiful thing when you redirect your heart. And so, at the end of all these three charges, Paul ties it all together with a remarkable statement. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, again, I'll read it again. Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. You might ask why? Well, he gives it to us. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love it when the writer of these different books in the scriptures, I love it when they spell it out so clearly. You don't have to do... You don't have to open up all your commentaries and try to figure out, what does he mean by that? This is pretty evident that this, these three things are the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is his will for you as believers to do these things. It's an amazing thing. Because naturally, we don't want to rejoice always. Naturally, we don't want to pray. Naturally, we don't want to give thanks. But this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's what he's charging us to do. It's what... God's word is telling us to do. Now, I must reiterate that this does not mean that when you do these three things, life becomes a cakewalk. This is the answer to all your problems. But I will say that when you do these things, though you will face trials, though you will still wrestle with sin, if you do these things consistently, you will find the things around you that used to burden you and weigh you down slowly become lighter and lighter. The pressure of the world slowly starts to deflate as you grow in your confidence in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's really a mind shift and a heart shift. Again, I this morning I quoted Dane Ortland a lot. Again, I, I highly recommend if you are looking for a new book to read, uh, Gentle and Lowly is 100% my favorite book I've ever read, next to the scriptures, of course. <laughs> But he says in his book, Gentle and Lowly, talking about the heart and Christ and suffering and the difficulties around us, he says that the deeper into weakness and suffering and testing we go, the deeper Christ's solidarity is with us. As we go down into pain and anguish, we are descending ever deeper into Christ's very heart, not away from it. It's an amazing thing. Longer you are a Christian, I'm sure many of you could probably teach me this as a young believer. That the Lord is so faithful that you have to turn your heart towards him. And to give thanks in all circumstances, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing. It's impossible for us to do that on our own. It's only by the power of the Spirit that we're able to do these things. And I don't know if get anything out of tonight. Honestly, I kind of looked at tonight being more of a devotional style than anything else, but hopefully that could be an encouragement to you, and I'll invite Shelly back up to do music. Holy smokes, it's 710. I don't know how Pastor Isaac keeps it going so long. That lifesaver just ran out on me, so let me pray for you guys, and then we'll close out in song. So let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. 
For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.